Ashley Green, Diane Palmer's book, Protector, Chapter 12. They stopped by Barbara's cafe for lunch. Barbara grinned broadly when they walked in. Nice to see you out and about, Haynes, she told him. It's nice to be out, he replied. You look a little glum, Barbara knew. She won't let me drive, he grumbled, wrinkling his nose of a net, who grinned. Dr. Coltrane won't let you drive, she cried. I'm just his mouthpiece, he chuckled. So did Barbara. I made a nice lemon cake for dessert today, Barbara said as she handed them the lunchman. My favorite, Hayes replied. And homemade rolls with butter. Now, I've been having those nightly, <laughs> he mused with a warm glance at She's an incredible cook. <laughs> Don't you put me out of business, Marvel chuckled, wagging her finger at Manette. No worries, I'm just a temporary setback, she said with him. Oh, I'm not so sure of that. He used and he looked at her long enough to make her blush. They had a tasty lunch and then drove over to Haynes' office. Zack was running, machine through a drawer, muttering when they arrived. What can't you find? Haynes asked. The stapler, Zack said. It's the one... The most essential piece of equipment in this whole damn office and the one thing I can never lay my hands on. It's got legs. It walks. Hates gave him a long suffering look. He reached into the entry. There's a top sheet of paper and a cover. I don't think I do that to keep Nancy from carrying it up. He never brings it back. Exactly. Okay. Now I know how to hide it too. Thanks. What are you doing here? Looking for the name of a DEA agent who showed up at the drug bust, the one where the new mayor of Colorado was holding a gun on me. I disarmed him and arrested him, but he got out on bond and went over the border. Oh, that one. I gave him a long. I had the same thought about the bust, so I pulled up the file. His expression wasn't comforting. And Haynes from is not there. What? Haynes sat down the desk, pulled up his confidential files, and tried to open the one. Dealing with the successful drug bust. It's empty. He said stunned. Yes, erased. Unless I miss my guess. Zack told him. I was going to call you after lunch. Who had access here, Manettas? All the deputies. Haynes said. All the deputies, the investigator, the clerk, and the sheriff. The clerk? Manette pounced on the one person out of them. Don't you have a new one here because the last one got sick? Haynes and Zack exchanged glances. Yes, but she's related to John Husley, he's pointed out. He's one of our more prominent attorneys. He gave me a, her a wonderful reference. Minette just stared at him. He's flipped open his phone, pulled up a list of attorneys and called John. Ah, Haynes, you better? Somewhat, listen, John, that reference you gave your niece. My what? John Husley. Your niece, Beverly Sant. I have a nephew named Charles and a niece named Athena. Nobody named Beverly. She gave you as a reference, he said, and presented me with a letter written on your letterhead stationary with what I could have sworn was your signature. Should have called me, Haynes, John said gently. Yes, yes, I should have, he said. Good Lord, I feel stupid. We all make mistakes, John said. But you should fire her. If I ever see her again, I swear I'm not only fire, I'll have her up on fraud. Haynes muttered, thanks, John. He hung up. Well, dumb, idiotic thing to do. Me, of all people, he explained. I always check people out, but she seems so naive to trust it. So honest. She had me fooled, too. Second best. I liked her. She made coffee. He glanced at me and laughed. So, listen, I love to drink it, but I can't make it. It was a selling point in her paper. Where is she? Would be my question. He asked grimly. 
She didn't show up for work this morning. Zerkler called in sick. His eyes narrowed. He went over to the communication desk. Hey, Bob, we run over to Beverly Sands' house. He paused, looking at that address and giving him a room. 24 Oak Street. And see if you can get her to the door. That's right. Yes, thanks. Let me know. Okay. I sent Bob, Zach said. He'll find her. But Bob didn't find her. And in fact, 24 Oak Street was the address of a small coffee shop that had opened just recently. No Beverly Sands there. Despite the size of Jayville, even the sheriff didn't know the street address of every single household. Business in it. The mistake was painful. Why didn't I check that address? <laughs> he said against a gasp when Zach told him. I'm the sheriff. You're not perfect, Bennett replied gently. Jacobsville is a small town. People trust each other. Yes, but I know better. I got I got pulled in by her too, boss. <laughs> so now what, Bennett asked. Do we have fingerprints at least? Haynes asked. I was about to do that. When we got mixed up with old Heffy and things heated up in the investigation, Zach said. I put it off as one of those things that wasn't absolutely essential to be done in a rush. Haynes threw up a sense. Crackers milk. He cursed. Doesn't Epscott have some wild-eyed, unbelievably skilled computer tech in his employee? Manette asked him. They looked at Information can't be completely erased unless the whole drive is reformatted. And yours obviously hasn't been, right? Haynes dug in for his cell phone again. By late afternoon, the computer tech was starting to recreate the lost file. It was taking time because the information was fragmented, but the young man was certain he could pull it up. It was late, though, and he told the others they might as well go home. So Haynes went back home with Manette and marked up on a very odd gathering in her backyard. What in the world is going on? Manette explained when she and Higgins got to the back porch. Four men were facing each other. Three of them were yelling. They stopped at the sound of her voice. Suddenly, they looked very sheepless. Oh, <clears throat> hi. One of the men said slowly. He turned to a smile. Who are you guys? Manette wanted a good question. Hate said, and he looked every inch a long man. That's what we're sorting out. Trying to sort out. The one who spoke and said, one, okay. That's one of El Jefe's men over there. He indicated a tank to men with dark eyes and hair and eyes. eyes. He and that's one of Sheriff Carson's volunteer deputies. I think he indicated a man that Haynes recognized as a part-timer. I'm sort of working for Cash Grier, the spokesman added with a subconscious chuckle, and nobody can get him. He indicated a tall, cold-eyed man with long black, unbound hair down to his way to say who he is or even who he works for. I don't have to say, the man replied. I'm a tourist. I was looking around for points of interest, and I got lost. In the middle of the night on private property, he was pointing out. The man, wearing jeans, shrugged, and looking around. I don't see a single sign identifying this as private property. Hey, why are you? Hey, who are you? persisted icily. The old man looked directly into us. Carson. I'm Carson. He shouted back. My name is Carson, too. The man replied. That's all I'm telling you. Wait. The first man who spoke broke in. I know you. You're the guy who went with a million marcanados of South America to take back his country. You work for side parks when you're not off somewhere with Eb Scott's group. Man named Carpenter. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. Maybe I'm just a lost tourist. The points of interest are that way. He said, pointing toward the road. Let Jason start walking. Unfriendly place, the told me. No wonder it's so small. You just go back and tell Cy Parks we have enough madmen out here running into each other. We don't need any more cluttered up landscape. And thank him. 
Hanks <laughs> at him reluctantly. Boss sent me here to do a job. Carson replied, folded his arms, and stared belligerently at the other man. Not leaving until I've done it. He looked at Haynes, staring at him to do anything about sound of my Haynes started. Now Haynes Red said gently as he took a step toward the other man. More people, less problem. Sure, unless they shoot each other, Haynes explained. I'm not shooting anybody. The man named Carson replied, well, I don't carry a gun. What? You talk people to that, do you? The first man scuffed. Carson shifted his way. Don't need to talk. Haynes was noting something the others seemed to have missed. A huge bowie knife and a sheath at a strange angle on the tall man's belt. That's an illegal weapon. Haynes pointed out and gave him the knife. I could have you arrested just for carrying it. I have a permit. Haynes went, a knife permit. Who the hell gave you that? Guys, Grier. Carson replied, he didn't smile, but he looked so smug that Haynes wished he was in some condition to slug that expression off his smooth face. I don't believe it, Haynes said. Don't care, Carson replied. Arrest me if you want. I'll prove it in court. He did smile then, coldly. My first cousin was married as a senior U.S. senator from South Dakota. He added, he was a powerful threat. Gentleman in question was well known in the media for his bad temper and his great concern for Native people. Well, my second cousin works security for Bank in San Antonio. He shot back. That barely smiled at a giggle. Listen, we're all out here for the same reason. To protect Miss Rainer. First manager. Why don't we just divide the property up into four sectors and each take out? Take one of patrol. You should run for public office, Carson told the man. He pointed toward Haynes. Against him. Not me. I know this county. Trust me, he's unbeatable unless he barbecues the tourist over an open fire. The man named Carson, posing as the tourist, versus chiseling. I would taste terrible. Be sure it ain't. It broke the eye. Saints first out of him. Oh, hell, get out of here, he choked. Hey, could you guys please stop arguing and get back to work? He said, we're never going to keep this place secure at this rate. <laughs> Not our fault, really, the spokesman apologized. The tourist there, he indicated the man named Carson, tackled him. He pointed out Hefe's man, and things went downhill from there. I was trying to protect her, the drug lord's man indicated him in that. Me too, Carson said. You look like a drug dealer to me. He had a tongue in cheek. Maybe I am, and maybe I'm not. Hefe's man snorted. You gotta want it. Carson actually smiled at him. Smile made the man pack up a step. I'm very grateful for all the help, Manila. But coming out in the open isn't going to help matters. She does have a point, the spokesman said to the other. Shall we get back to work, gentlemen? A sound idea, El Hilfish men said, and the other man agreed. Carson didn't speak, pointed out the sector he claimed, and walked off toward it. Manette Haynes left them to him. I do feel safer, Manette commented on the way into the house. It was nice of my father to watch out for me, side parks, and cash crier. And you? She added so that she did sound on him. And, and mate, Haynes said, granddad, linked his fingers with hers and walked into the house. By morning, the computer whiz had found something. He called Haynes, but was unwilling to give out the information, even on what seemed like a secure line. Can you meet me at your office? He asked me. Sure, I'll be right over. Manette drove against Haynes' wishes. I'm much better, he reminded with a grimace. I could drive at least. <laughs> You can undo all the recuperation too, Haynes. Menagri. Won't be much longer before you're back at work. Doctor Coltrane said you're making great progress. I'm impatient, he said, glancing out the passenger. I'm not used to inactivity. 
Not that I haven't enjoyed watching movies and doing stuff with the kids and with you. I've enjoyed the food and the company very much. She flushed there. Thanks. I've well. We've enjoyed the company too. None of us is used to having a man around the house. <laughs> Person, you think you could get used to having a man around the house? If you can't, she got her breath. She was so busy staring at Hans that she didn't notice the sudden acceleration of two pickup trucks behind them. Hans looked up started to say something, but before he could even get the words out, one of the trucks rammed the left front fender and forced the truck off the road. Barely escaped the road when it came to a stop. Before Haynes could get his pistol out of his holster, two men were automatic weapons pointed at his head, preventing any thought of resistance. So, Miss Raina, one of the small men said with a flash, what someone we work for would like to meet you over my dead body. Haynes again, the pistol was cocked. The man looking at him didn't seem angry even you live despite our best efforts, Sheriff. You wish to stay alive even for a day longer. Resistance would be quite unwise. Come with us, the man near him said, taking Manette roughly by the arm. When Haynes stepped on him to find a man, to find a man with a pistol, he eased his grip. He spoke to the other man in a language that wasn't Spanish. They grimaced, looked at the prisoners, and the only man, the other man nodded, irritable. Let's go, the older of the two men said. They separated the prisoners. Haynes was bound and placed in one truck, Manette in the other. Manette had a pretty good idea of what was going to happen to her. She hoped the Lassiter had been monitoring the phone, that he bugged her truck as well. If he had, there was just a glimmer of hope that she and Haynes wouldn't be found lying in a ditch some in some unspeakable condition. If not, well, everybody died at some point. She supposed she had to hope and pray that it wasn't Haynes' time or her time. Not just yet. Much later, they were blindfolded and placed in the backseat of a powerful, expensive SUV and driven somewhere across the border at night. Haynes was chomping at the bit, embarrassed and furious that he hadn't been paying attention to their surroundings. That he let this happen. He knew that Manette was the target of the kidnapping. He knew who was behind it, too. He had hoped that their friends were somewhere watching, waiting, in a position to do something to get them out of this mess that he helped land them into. He couldn't move. He was bound and gagged and blindfolded. He was aware that they put Manette in the back seat with him, but he couldn't communicate with her. They'd taken a cell phone and smashed it before the prisoners were transformed, transferred into the SUV. His hands were cuffed with his on damn handcuffs, and the pain was pretty bad. At least they hadn't locked his hands behind him, which would have potentially undone all the uncomfortable physical therapy he'd been having for weeks in an attempt to stop the muscles from atrophying. Still wasn't recovering from the gunshot wound that this very group of bad guys had given him in the first place. He was furious, but he had to keep his head. If he was going to help Manette escape being killed, he hoped he prayed there was a way to do that. It was dark and cold in the small house they were taken to. Haynes had been keeping track of time while they were driving, and he guessed that they were being transported across the border to Corredo. These men belonged to one of the two rival factions trying to gain sole ownership of the small Mexican state, which was left of the Futes crime family, now headed by El Lorando and the forces of El Jefe. It's a prime location with mountains for cover and easy and quick access to the United States with no border patrol or other federal law enforcement nearby. Presumably, the winner would face off against the Zetas or some other powerful narcotics cartel in a bid for even more territory.
never seemed to end. The house was dark. Apparently, he had no electricity because Haynes heard a match strike, and then a radiant glow penetrated even the darkness of the blindfold he was wearing. The blindfold was removed. He looked first for Manette. She was standing beside him, still bound. Her expression was one of quiet resignation. Her blindfold also had been removed. They looked at each other with visible pain, knowing that it might be the last time. Put them over there, the man who kidnapped him said, indicate two cane bottom chairs near a window. Hayes protested when the man undid his cuffs and started to pull his arms around. Wait! The captain pushes up his mouth. The sheriff's wound is troubling him. No? He told. Tie his hand in front of him and bind him to his ankles, he told one of the henchmen. That way, if he decides to act, he will inflict his own punishment. But it wasn't a court. The same court of the same cutter, so here we're top of together behind the chair, although they made no attempt to blind her feet. In her mind, she was going over possibilities, ways to escape, ways to save hands. He was doing the same, but with little hope, he cursed the injury, which was nowhere near healed. Even when it did heal, he was going to have to deal with months of rehab, and even after a year, there would still be some loss of mobility and function in the shoulder where the bullet had penetrated. Curse these drug traffickers, curse his own stupidity, and let himself be captured, letting her be captured. Whatever they did to him, please, God, spare her. Now we wait, the captain said with you. You'll be honored. My boss himself, Charo Menendez, is coming to deal with the two of you. He's the mayor of Cototo. But also the second cousin of Pedro Mendez, the leader of our drug cartel, is Marco. Charo has told us to treat you with great care and respect. He does not want the hair on your head harmed. He moved from Renette He is bringing with him a man who is expected expert with Camp Goris. He whispered loud enough to hey, it's get off so here. He smiled for a minute so that we can return record for your papa all the things that we plan to do to you. The insinuation made Manette sick to her stomach. Kidnapper had been terror kidnapping had been terrifying, but the look in that little weasel's eyes was so explicit that she wished they just shoot her in the first place and put her out of her misery. But of course that wasn't the plan at all. They wanted her father, the father she never knew, to see her tormented, know that he was wrong before. Manette raised her chin. She didn't smile or blot her flinch. My father, she said quietly, will hang your employer up by his thumbs and cut him to pieces. Yes, my lady, but you will be long dead if that ever happens. He chuckled, standing erect. He looked at her with mouth's pleasure. I will ask for the privilege of having you first, for the benefit of the camera. She stared in his eyes, where the angels might have cursing on top of his head. Bring weapons, she advertised softly. The man thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I like women for spirit, he chuckled again. He turned away and tossed towards him. Pepito, you keep watch. Don't talk to them, okay? He said in Spanish. No, of course not, the young man agreed. He stuck his pistol in his mouth. I will be most careful. No time with the woman, he had a You understand? She's too pale for me. The boy laughed, but the lad was hollow. He very nervous. Yes, you like your girls big and round, like your wife, yes? You remember your wife and children, Pipito? He had a soft way, and the young man shifted nose. We will not be long. Taro has said that he will come later today. He gestured the other two men toward the door, speaking to them in the... That language, Manette couldn't comprehend the door closed behind God, I'm sorry, Manette. I'm so sorry. He said, this is all my fault. No, I should have watched where I was going. I'm sorry. She stared at him. We were too careless. She looked at the boy, Pepito. If you have one ounce of mercy in you, please kill me. Manette! Hey, it's gone. Pepito said, sitting there right He said, We are none of us free to do anything except what our boss tells us. I have a wife and two little girls. He had it in his face. 
They are kept incognito in a small house in a village where the armed guards, by do anything that the boss does not like, they will torture and be killed. Dear God, but it explained horrible. It is the way they control us, Papito continued, and a dull heavy tone. My brother was one of the head men in our organization. He works for Child Mendes, who is our boss. My brother brought me into this. I would make lots of money, he said. So I sipped it and I agreed. He glanced around the paper. My brother was killed by Mendes for losing a shipment of cocaine. So I sold my soul to the devil, he crossed. I'm not even allowed to go to mass or to confession. Child Mendes is afraid I would tell a priest things that might be discovered. And it had always assumed that people got into the business of drug dealing because they liked the danger and the wealth. She interviewed at least two men who told her they would never give up the trade because it paid so well. But this was a very different story. Are your parents alive? Yes, only my mother. My father protested what my brother was doing when he persuaded me to join it. My brother had my father killed before he himself was killed. Master Saint Seiko. Yes, monstrous. Dang, my poor father, right in our village, as a warning. So I'm sorry for your trouble, yet, but I cannot help you. To do so would be forfeit the lives of my wife and children. I understand, but it's said with true sir. Your boss should be. Your boss should be brought up on federal charges and put away for life. <laughs> he said it was a cold contempt. Chance would be a fine thing, yes, the boy replied. He has been arrested many times, but even people in our force can be blind. I've heard of him, of a man who works for the EEA. He has been on the bus's payroll for many years. Oh, I said, uh, that I do not know, and even if I did know, telling you would get my family killed. Not if we could get this out of Mexico, but I was thinking out loud. That does very touch Jaro or worse, because Pedro Mendez can have assassins to find me, even in Austin's chariot. Will you know? He pulled out and looked at Has the sheriff got a test? Yes. Well, El Arana assassin missed that name. Hey, that's literally a paper. Yes, he did. Then he was killed for it. They say another man was fired, but since you are here, his service will not be needed. The illusion wasn't lost on names for a minute. They mean to kill us both, but <laughs> head asked the people. I am just a mule, he said, using the slang for drug transport. I know nothing of the boss's plan except what you have heard earlier, but I think they mean to kill both of you. Miss Randa will die to torment her father, but you, indicates case, will be killed because you were with her, and also because you humiliated Charo by arresting him in your country. It would be too dangerous for money to escape. Escape, Manette thought of it. Hunkered for it. The ordeal that was facing her would be infinitely worse than anything she endured in her life. She thought of Shane and Julie and Great Aunt Sarah. She thought of her newspaper at home. She'd taken safety and family for granted. If she got out of this little life, she promised herself she'd never take anything for granted again. Well, she said after a minute, glance at Pepito, I think Kate should read you your rights. Pepito, like, Senorita. You're right, she emphasized. You know, so that you're aware of what they are before he puts you in jail. Particularly, you and the sheriff are captains in Mexico, when neither of you has any proper powers of arrest or even escape. Manette looked at Haynes with finger. Go on, she said. Do your duty. He smiled to her and she said, Papito, you have the right to remain silent, he began. Anything you say can't and will be held against you in a court of law. And it burst into laughter at the sheer audacity of the statement. End of chapter 12.